Hello everyone, I'm Chris Oakley and this is part two of the Football Attic podcast, episode 31, in which Rich Johnson and I are comparing numerous aspects of modern day football with their equivalents from yesteryear. If you were listening in to part one, you'll know that we decided that non-league football, football on TV, books and online media were considered better in the new era, while domestic cup competitions, European competitions, money in the game and football magazines were better in the old era. So the score stands at 4-4, with 10 subjects left to be debated. Who's going to win, old or new? Let's find out as we go back to our discussion with Rich Johnson. Right. Uh, also moving with modern technology and kind of technology that was around a while ago uh, video or computer games now mm. again i can't see this being a difficult one to argue <laughs> because um we've we've covered old computer games before and while there was indeed a a great nostalgia sense because they were a lot simpler um certainly in management uh, simulations um, I, I don't think you can any, in any way argue that the likes of Pro Evo and FIFA nowadays are worse than what we used to get as actual football games when I was a kid. I mean, even Sensible Soccer, which, I mean, okay, kickoff was sort of mid to late 80s. Um, but Sensible Soccer was the absolute king of, of those days of football games. But even that was kind of uh, sort of 1990 onwards, I think. Maybe, I don't mm. know, it was 89. I think it was literally 1990 onwards or something. So even that was kind of relatively modern but we'll include it in old games but even that I mean that was a great game in itself but it didn't feel like a proper football simulator you know it didn't feel like you were playing a game of football you were very much playing an arcade game based on football whereas obviously if you're playing FIFA um, or Pro Evo they are just absolutely stunning Um, Mm. so while I have a great deal of nostalgia and I'm not a massive fan of FIFA at all you know I'd find it a bit I don't know I, I can't be bothered with all the technicalities. I prefer the simplicity of games. I, I'm not. I don't play games to get into the, you know, the the nth degree of skill level and and kind of. I'm not ultra competitive. I just want to have a bit of fun. So I prefer the older style. Um, but I, you know, I, I have also been addicted to Pro Evo and played in entire seasons on it. So for me, it's it's a fairly easy one. You know, modern computer games are certainly in terms of football simulations as in playing the game I think are so far and above what we used to get you know I, I don't think there's mm. any sort of argument there whether they're you know whether they're as fun I don't know they're a bit more serious but I I, I think they're way better mm. your take. yeah I'm, I'd, I'd love to be able to say yep yeah, the old games were the best um, but I mean, there are, obviously there are, there are examples for, for both sides of this. I mean, you could sort of point at things like the original Football Manager on ZX Spectrum, which is a classic. You could point to, you know, Sensible Soccer, which will class in the old category. Um, and obviously in the new era, you've got your pre- Pro Evolution Soccers and your FIFAs and all that in terms of the incredible realism that they have inbuilt. Um, and I think it's, you have to really hold your hands up and say that, that wins the day really in this argument um because i think pound for pound the the games you get nowadays are generally much more of a consistent high standard than in the old days i mean i can remember some of the the football computer games we mentioned before on the on our old podcast um like i think match day which was made by ocean and match day two um and oh you know peter beersley's whatever it's called superstars soccer and and all those other ones all those tie-ins that they used to make back then um which we all kind of smile at now and go oh yeah do you remember that but actually 
they were a bit crap. I'm sorry to say it. It sounds terribly harsh, but they were. And that's just because obviously the, the technology that was around in that, those days meant that there were limits on what you could achieve. Um, and as much as I think sometimes the new games, the new video games are a bit too overstyled and a bit too much emphasis has gone on realism, fundamentally you can't really argue with it because once you start playing you you can very easily find yourself immersed in it because it is that real um so that's why i'm going for new as well almost reluctantly but it's it's i think it's a fair judgment really yeah exactly it's it's, it was it would have been very hard to argue it the other way around um so yes. another one another one for new there and i've just worked out the scores and from Ooh. what i've tallied up the scores are uh, old four, new five. So new is winning <gasps> at the moment. I know. And I can assure you, listeners. New I can assure you, listeners. Resurgence. We haven't we haven't worked this out in advance. We're not trying to build up like Top Gear style into some kind of <laughs> you know some almost deliberate kind of result at the end of this. We, we don't know how this is going to work out because we haven't discussed this in advance. Sorry, Correct. Rich. I talked across you there. That's all right. No, it's a perfectly valid point. Uh, right. So moving on quickly, then uh, we have other merchandise, which I have put in bracket tat, etc. So basically, what I'm classifying <laughs> here as anything that sort of isn't any sort of specific genre. So we're talking literally tat. So you know, club branded tat, <laughs> things like that, football related tat, anything just crap that you would find for 99p after a tournament in a supermarket. <laughs> um, <coughs> And uh, I'll go, I'll go first with this one. I keep mm. I probably keep going first, but I'm going to do it anyway. No, no, no. Um, I I would have to say, uh, on balance, I would say that new wins again. <laughs> um, there was a certain I I have a lot of nostalgia again for a lot of the old tech used to get, and I think we covered this when we talked about magazines um, on the old football attic pod about the fact that I used to love the adverts you'd get in the back where it'd be like, you know, kind of a, a, like a, a rubber sort of football-shaped coin bank that you squeeze to put your money in and, and things like that and, uh, and, you know, little mini cameras and stuff like that. But it, it was all very innocent, but it was all very cack as well. You know, when you look at it in objectively, it was it was mostly really poorly done and there wasn't a huge amount of it either. Now, that's not necessarily a bad thing because there is an awful lot of this kind of crap around these days. But I do think, you know, if you're a fan of Man United or something, if, and also, more to the point, if you're a fan of the smaller teams as well, there's a lot more tat that you can get, you know, from your club shop and things like that, or even online. So I would have to say, despite the fact that I, I'm not a massive fan generally of tat per se, because it's, you know, it's usually the arse end of the, the football <laughs> um, merchandise spectrum. I would still say there's much more variety. If you're a child and, you know, kids love that kind of crap, don't they? They, you know, they love stuff from, from like the sweet shop, you know, because it's novelties. So in terms of novelty stuff, I would have to say nowadays wins because I'd say the quality is higher of it and the proliferation is, is higher. And mm. I, I, the old stuff was nice, but it was all a bit crap. And it was the same thing over and over again back in those days. And so there's just more variety. And I, I yeah, I would have to go for modern on that one myself. Yeah, I think even though it's still you would still look at today's tat and, th- and say that's tat, um, that you would see that the production um, sort of values I think are a bit higher. Even, even though it's fundamentally it's rubbish, I think the stuff you can get now you sort of think well, at least it's made a bit better than than it was in the old days. Um, 
I'm almost inclined to go for old because I just remember, as you say, the stuff in the back of magazines and things. It was like, you know, soap on a rope, you know, with a little sort of, uh, you know, Manchester United badge that's been sort of stuck on with glue onto the, you know, some sort of football soap, um, and stuff like that. And little sort of pens with a little digital clock in the end and, and the words Manchester United sort of printed on crudely down the, down the side. Um, um, I, I just, I remember fondly, but I also do remember back in the, in the day thinking, I don't actually want any of this stuff. It looks as bad as it probably is. Whereas nowadays, if you were to kind of lay your hands on some of this merchandise, as we'll politely call it, you'd sort of think, well, at least probably kids would be a bit more impressed by it these days because it's just made a bit better. Um, I'm not sure about the sort of imagination going into the variety of things you can get. Um, but, um, I think, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going for new on that one as well. Another one for new. Mm-hmm. Six four. It's getting exciting. And now can we have the votes from the Austrian? Oh no, sorry, that's something else. <laughs> right. Well, here's an interesting one because we've moved off merchandise now. Although it's still technically for sale. I've tried to link these, you know, like a proper <laughs> DJ style. Uh, so we, we're moving on. Not well. It is technically merchandise. So we're moving on to kits. But but I don't specifically mean just replicas. What I mean is kit design. So do we think kits were better then or better now? And uh, Chris, I'll let you go first on this. Mm. Oh, oh, this is a tricky one, really. Um, so the thing is, kits from the old days were much simpler and plainer. There wasn't so much of a proliferation of logos and sponsor, you know, logos and stuff like that, all sort of splattered all over these shirts. Um, they had a sort of simplistic charm, and yet. The nearer you come forward to the to the modern day, the the more you know the the better the quality gets, and I think probably the more interesting they get. Okay, some of them are uh, nothing much to write home about, but even like if you listen to the Football Attic Kit podcast um, every episode, as I'm sure you do, then you'll know that we often take the Mickey out of the Nike Vaporware kit. Now, you, you know, all right, we take the Mickey out of it because it's so kind of regularly seen in various forms. But at the end of the day, you look and you think, that's a well-made kit. It might not be visually very appealing or very exciting, but at least you sort of look and you think the inherent sort of um, quality of the, the way it's been made and the thought that's gone into it must surely be higher than... Even back in the 70s with Admiral, there was a lot of creativity going on then, but not every, the, not every manufacturer was an Admiral. There were a lot of you know kit manufacturers around back then that were churning out fairly ho-hum kits and i just think that these days the the general quality of what you get is far higher what about you rich i i would agree that i think the quality i think is higher um i think we've um unfortunately we're in this sort of one year kit cycle it seems to be now which i think is a bad thing for design um I'm actually very tempted to go for a draw on this one because, mm-hmm. again, it's like comparing two different things, really. You know, the the world of kits is very different and and things like that. So, and I do think there were a lot of merits of kit design back in the day. When you when you look at them, I think <clears throat> obviously they were coming from a completely different point of of view because they're you know they were kind of evolving really from the sort of seventies and eighties point of view, and then obviously mm. they hit the the you know. Uh, the zenith or the nadir, depending on your point of view, in the sort of 90s. Um, mm. But at the same time, I think there were still some very, very strong designs back in the day. Um, hence why you do get a lot of nostalgic designs these days. You know, it's 
and okay, they're playing on the nostalgia factor, but I do actually think they were strong designs to start with. Now, how much of them had been designed, designed like they are now, you know, with any real thought going into them, as opposed to just, well, you know, we're going to give Man City a, 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 you know, a light blue shirt with white collars and cuffs, you know, is that really designed or is it just that that's mm. what they happen to be? And it's, but I, I think that for the context and the time it was, I I would say I I don't know I, I my my sort of head sort of says modern but then I also think there's an awful lot of tat that comes out with the modern hmm. stuff as well because of the the quantity and I think the quantity is is a negative so I'm kind of inclined to go for a draw because I think I I think that there's a lot of good stuff now but there's also a lot of bad pretty much like it was in the old days I think would I say we're in a better place with kit design? I'd say in terms of design inspiration, possibly. But at the same time, there's too much. There's too much mm. overall. So mm. I, I would say the kit world as a whole, I, I would have to say, is not particularly in any better shape than it was at any point in the past other than the 90s. <laughs> mm. Do you know what? I think that I think we should go with draw on that. You made a very good case for that there are swings and roundabouts in both the more i think about it the more there are swings and roundabouts uh for for the old kits and the new ones um can't really add anything to what you just said because i think you made your point quite clearly uh, there it, i mean obviously i'm always referring back to the 70s because just to re-emphasize how archaic i truly am um mm-hmm. but um but yeah i mean going forward a little bit to the 80s and 90s which one i suppose could include in the old category there were actually some strong designs in those eras as well, just sort of um, expanding out from the 70s. So, yes, I think we should go for a draw. I think that sounds like a fair um, fair result on that. Fair enough. A draw it is. Mm. Uh, so moving further down the human form, we come to the absolute bottom, not <laughs> the human bottom, but the bottom of the human. Uh, again, not the human bottom. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we're talking about boots. So... Now, I I don't care much for boots, really, I'll be honest. They don't hold much interest to me, other than the best boot of all time is a Puma King. That's all you need to know about boots. Um, <laughs> so this could be a very quick topic. Uh, I don't know. I prefer old-style boots. I prefer it when everyone played in black boots, because I just think I just think the world of boots is oh, it's, it's super tacky. And, and whoever invented that bastard sock boot, you know, oh, just you, <laughs> oh, just why? But at the same time, I have to temper that with, you know, am I thinking from a nostalgia point of view or or are they better? And I, th- I would say boot technology is better these days. I don't think you can argue that, but that's, you know, because of the progress of time. But mm. I don't know. I have a hankering for proper black boots, but at the same time, you can't ignore the fact that boots are you know, a lot more bespoke, a lot lighter, and a lot more technology-based. So I, I'm going to have to call it... Well, for me personally, I would have a, a draw on that because I would say the classic boots versus the new, It's there's no definitive winner. Um, if you if yeah. you base one on nostalgia, it's the old boot. If you But if you base it on quality, it's the new boot. So for me, it's a draw on that one. Yeah, again, I'm inclined to agree. I mean, I, I, what I would say is it's quite an interesting one to think about because I'm a bit like yourself, Rich. I, I sort of think, you know, for years and years growing up, it was all about black boots. That was what you had. And black boots was fine because the football kit itself had enough colour 
to uh, sustain any interest you had in how a player looked. You know, the, uh, unless you sort of had a team that played in all white like Leeds, okay, there wasn't a lot of colour there, but it was at least a contrast to the black boots. And then suddenly now we've got this explosion of colour for the boots and you kind of go, it jars. You know, you got, you might have a team like Liverpool wearing all red and then players, some players are wearing pink boots, yellow boots, orange boots, and you kind of go, oh, it just doesn't, it clashes with the colour of the kit. And yet, you know, as a kid, if you'd have said, you know, in the future that players will be able to wear lots of different coloured boots, you'd have gone, oh, fantastic, can't wait for that. Because why not? Why not have boots in different colours if the technology allows it and manufacturing processes and so on? So I think, yeah, in almost now, it's like if you go look back again, sorry, to the 70s, where everybody wore black boots, when when there were exceptions to the rule, like Alan Ball and Peter Marinello, who dared to wear <gasps> white boots, it suddenly seemed like, ooh, that's, that's not right somehow, but which is fine. But then you'd sort of go... So have we got to like always wear black? Is that is that the, like the the extent of what we're allowed to wear? And then suddenly black becomes very restrictive. So for that reason, I think there are pros and cons about the whole thing. I, I think a draw is fair. Yeah, good. I am happy hmm. with that. As much as I care about boots, which is not much, but they. <laughs> okay, well, I'm just I'm glad, kind of glad. I was just going to say, we're glad we can actually cover boots because we did, as I said before, we had the suggestion a while back, so we can tick that box. Exactly, yes. Uh, so we move on to what could be a much more controversial subject now of match balls. Um, <sighs> well... Go on, you go first. Okay, go on then. Um, I I will declare immediately I'm going to go for old, uh, purely because <laughs> the Adidas Tango exists in the old um, and doesn't exist in the new, not in its purest <laughs> form. And it is the best ball of all time, so... Uh, but also, I, 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 I don't know. And again, I think the pace of ball design change is, is a lot slower in the old days. So, you know, you had the Adidas Tango and that would last for like 20 years almost. Whereas now you have to have a new ball every five seconds. And there are a lot of nice ball designs around. And obviously there's technology and they're all like plastic balls these days and, and all this. But I, I, yeah, they, a lot of them just leave me cold. The, mm. You know, you had like your classics like the Telstar and then the Tango and then all variations thereof. And I just think nowadays it's a, it's all a bit gauche and tacky. <laughs> so for me, you you can't beat your classic balls. <laughs> Thanks. Um, <laughs> I'd usually do in my spare time. No, um, I, I just, I, yeah, I, I know it's, I'm sort of agreeing with pretty much with everything you said, but I think it's, uh, hopefully my ex- explanations are, are proving that I'm not just saying, yeah, I agree and, and leaving it at that. Um, I agree on this one because when you watch football either as an armchair fan on TV, uh, watching football on TV or watching football in the flesh, um, there is something undeniably wonderful about seeing a proper traditional black and white football being used. And that's basically, especially with regards to my favourite ball, which is the Adidas Telstar, those black hexagonal or pentagonal patches just accentuate the movement of the ball, the way that the ball is rolling, what direction it's rolling in. The Tango's sort of had that effect as well. I would say to a slightly lesser extent, but nonetheless, 
with the solid black sort of triads, as I think they're called, the, the patches there, uh, or the shapes, I should say. Um, again, you get a sense of the movement of the ball in, in play. But as you get nearer to the modern day, you find that those designs, even the black and white ones, got a bit more diluted because they started, Adidas started to weave in all these little sort of motifs into those black triads. So you had like on the um, Azteca ball in 86, you had these kind of obviously Aztec patterns. Um, and then, you know, in various other World Cups as well, um, I know we're focusing on the Adidas balls here for World Cups, but you know, they, they, the more detail, unfortunately, diluted that sense of there being a black and white contrast on the ball. And then they started bringing in color from like the 98 World Cup onwards. So like you had blue patterns and God knows what else. It was only really the Brazuca ball for the last World Cup that I think really made good use of black and color on the ball in contrast with the white. Um, but that's one of the few examples of a modern ball that I thought was really good. Also looking at some of the other balls from, way back um the i think was it the official football league ball that had like a red stripe around the middle now there's again there's a pattern that really makes use of or not makes use of really gives you a sense of how the ball is moving in the air or along the ground it wasn't a black pattern but it was red and it, it was just a single stripe simple simplicity wins the day and i just think because Back in the 70s and 80s, the footballs were a lot simpler. A lot of them were just plain white, let's face it. At least you had ultimate visibility there. And let's not even get on the subject of all these like salmon-coloured footballs and some of the silver ones I've used and, and stuff down here. You think, oh, for God's sake, it just doesn't work. Keep it simple. Ideally, in my book, make it black and white. And that's all I'm saying, so I'm going for old. Amen. So Thank I. you. There we go. Right. Another one, so it's five six now. So Ooh. new is winning six to five. <laughs> uh, right, so we move on from where the balls are played. Uh, sorry, mm. no, that doesn't make sense. We move on from what the game is played with to where the game is played. That yeah, well, just mm. instead it that bit out, Chris. Anyway, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, um, right, I'm actually going to yeah, no, I'm going to switch these two round because we were going to cover football grounds next, but actually it works best if we go to pitches first. And yes. then to football grounds, so because obviously that's because of my tenuous DJ links. <laughs> so pitches, <laughs> right? Pitches. I'll go first on this. Um, right. I think. See, this is a, a, an interesting one again. A lot of these are interesting. Um, the classic football pitch of the seventies and eighties was usually caked with mud. Let's face it. That's the sort of football pitch we remember from the old days. A real kind of, you know, um, churned up, um, ploughed field of a, of a football pitch, which didn't seem to impede anybody's, um, enjoyment of the game or indeed the, the player's ability to play on it. It just, you would expect the ball to get stuck in the mud and often would do, but that was accepted as part of the game. Nowadays, of course, we have these lovely billiard green, um, sort of, uh, billiard surface kind of football pitches perfectly green not a blade of grass out of place beautiful except what really irritates me unreasonably so probably but about the modern game is how they have to have the sprinklers running right up until like five minutes before kickoff now i'm sorry i okay if you're a player yes you have a right to ask for a nice playing surface but it doesn't need to be wet if you can't play on a dry but decent 
green surface for a football pitch, then you should not be playing. I don't see why it has to be overwatered like that. It's just up utter crap. Just you know, just let Mother Nature deal with the watering of the pitch, okay? All right. I I, I see your point. If you don't want mud on the pitch and and you need a nice surface, fine. But what's with all this watering crap? Oh, it's got to be a slick surface. Bullshit. Um, I'm going for. I'm going for. This is a tricky one. I'm, before I make my judgment, you go. You 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 say what you have to say. <laughs> okay. Well, I was about to say, get off that fence, Chris. Say yeah. what you think. <laughs> well, there uh, you go. For me, there's no contest. Modern pitches are far superior to the old, like, mud fests. Um, and, I mean, there was a time, uh, I think it was around about 1989 to 1990, when Coventry's pitch had so much sand on it, it was like a beach. Because it had got churned up so much by mud uh, that they had to keep putting sand on it to stop it falling apart. But it literally, there are, you know, photos from the time where the, the playing surface is literally beach coloured because it was just, it was just tons of sand. And I'm not just talking in the goal mouth, all across the pitch. It was uh-huh. awful. So for me, I, we can be nostalgic, but in terms of, you know, our pitch is better these days, there's absolutely no doubt. And I, I, on your point about the sprinklers, I think certainly in, in larger stadiums, the pitch doesn't get all the light it needs because of the the high stands. Mm, yes, true. So a lot of the time they... I mean, for instance, a perfect example of... Well, it's not so modern now, actually, but the Amsterdam Arena that Ajax play in, when mm. they first installed that, it had an opening roof, but obviously the opening roof doesn't allow enough sunlight in. Um, so they mm. had to keep relaying the pitch every sort of couple of months because it was awful. Um, yeah. But at the same time, the technology that goes into modern... Um, pitches like you know deso grass and things like that it's it's far and above what we have you know what we used to have i mean you can get nostalgic for mud baths and but for me there's no contest at all you know modern pitches are far superior well except given the fact the luton and oldham's pitches you know, from the 80s <laughs> oh yes artificial ones. who was the third one that had it luton oldham and who was the third one there was another one wasn't there wasn't Tranmere oh, or something it. that was it or not Tranmere. Mm. um ooh, oh, that that's one. so annoying Oh, that's really annoying me now. <laughs> that, I, yes, I'll, I'll look it up because yeah, okay, there's probably oh, people listening in now. They're yeah. going, "Oh, it's so and so, you stupid fools! What's the matter with you?" Yeah, obviously. Um, all I'll say while <clears> we're trying to anyway. think of that, or while you're trying to think of that, is that um, I will plump for modern era as, um, just because it has to be said. Let's face it: when you were a kid and you went over to the local park to play football, the one that was speaking personally, at least. The one site that would really kind of fill my heart with real sort of pleasure and, and joy was seeing a lovely green pitch, a green area of grass in front of you that you were there to play football on. And that's the kind of pitch that we see now. Okay, it's, it's just how it is. Every ground seemingly is like that. And, and let's be honest, that's the sort of pitch you'd want to play football on. So given that that's the typical modern pitch, we'll go for, we'll go for modern on that one. Cool. So that makes it 5-7. Modern still winning. Uh, I'm just looking at plastic pitch in the 80s because I can't think it was. <laughs> Something says it was so we had Luton, QPR. Preston. Oh, QPR, of course, yeah. QPR, yeah. Preston, Luton and Oldham. There you go. Of course, how could we forget QPR? There how you could are. you not? Right, so we move up from the pitch. Moving up, moving up, moving up. Uh, archaeological. Not archaeological. Architecturally. Jesus, I'm not on the board. Am I? <laughs> archaeological. <laughs> 
Well, we are talking Time about team. Stars. We're here at White right. Hart Lane. <laughs> yeah, we've found the last trophy they won. That's surely old enough to be archaeological now. Burn! <laughs> Very good. Right, anyway. Uh, so, football ground is the next subject. Um, yes. Do you want to go first, Chris? I will go first. I will say that... Um, I have been to West Ham's Upton Park ground enough to get a sense of the character of the place, um, uh, the fact that it's got its historical links. Uh, I've been there when there was terraces. My first ever visit was when they had terraces there, if and, and many other visits as well. Um, and you know, this is the sort of thing that you can apply a reasoning to for any, pretty much any club. If you if you want to talk about their old stadia. They've got such character, the way they were built. But I am a fair weather football fan, as I've said before, and um, and I'm getting older, and I like to sit down. Um, and I, to be honest, I see no other no no reason why you shouldn't watch football sitting. What did I say? Just I'll start again. I see no reason why you would want to do something other than sitting down to watch a game of football. You can't. Yes, you might occasionally shout at the players in the misguided belief that they can hear what you're saying and that they'll change their their way of playing accordingly. Um, uh, you know, you might want to hurl abuse at a player or whatever. You can do that sitting down. Um, okay, standing up, fine. You know, terraces and all that. You know, very. Um, uh, you know, brings back memories of of bygone eras and all of that. But I just. I always associate terraces with kind of shabby old stadia that were kind of crumbling around you. And yes, they've got a lot of character, but, um, and, and modern stadia are obviously in a lot of cases are sort of very generic and don't seem to have any real sort of difference in the way they're designed from one to, to another, especially if you're talking like big stadia, a big uh, sort of bowl style stadia. But I would rather watch football in one of those. It's just a, a lot, they're, they're designed to be a lot more welcoming and modern cleaner and yes there's a lot of sort of corporate bullshit going on like when you go for your halftime pie you know it's a pucker's pie or a, you know, go for a plastic pint glass of Carlsberg and all that but the, in terms of the actual stadia it's just that I just find they're really nicely built modern and I, I don't like the I, I, I don't know the, the thought of, sort of watching football in a shabby run down old stadium doesn't appeal to me much really uh and it's strange really given the fact that i'm a bit of a traditionalist but anyway what's your view um ah yeah because it's again you've kind of hit the nail on the head with the you know the kind of modern comfort and design um and general all-round being much better stadiums um versus the kind of nostalgia factor not necessarily nostalgia factor but the fact that most of them most modern stadia are dull as anything mm-hmm. you know even somewhere like the emirates or something it's a dull looking stadium it's just a bowl with four tiers or however many tiers and and a roof there's nothing about it you know and i'm <laughs> and i'm talking but that said there are some amazing looking modern stadium like um i just think it was the leon one for france mm-hmm. um, 2016 which i think i think it's the leon one that has all the sort of um sort of Stag- pillars Leon outside or something like that is it or yeah uh, and that was just stunning, you know. So, this, mm. from an architectural point of view, the majority of new stadia obviously are built to a budget. So, for instance, like the Rico, you know, home of mm. wasps, um, <laughs> that is dull as anything. 
is it a more comfortable experience than Highfield Road? Yeah, because the seating spaces are better. It's it's much quicker to get in and out of. Um, but it's soulless. It's absolutely soulless. Um, Highfield Road wasn't a great, you know, it was a particularly great ground. Obviously, you know, I only ever went there in its last incarnation. But it was it was a it was fine. It did what it needed to do. Um, and I just it had some history to it because it had different stands and this is why I specifically call this football grounds and not stadiums because mm. I'm talking about like grounds as in you know something that's grown organically you know and and you can still have that with modern stadiums for instance like Liverpool's ground you know has an absolutely gigantic stand on one side now but it still mm. has different stands on all four sides and it has that mm. history there you know, I don't care that, you know, actually most of those stands were built within the last 20 years, that they're still all different. It's grown piecemeal. It's grown. It's not mm-hmm. just been created as a one-off. It's like, you know, White Hart Lane is, won't be as good a stadium as their new ground, but the new ground looks dull as anything. You know, mm-hmm. I think it's got like a single tier end or something, which is an interesting feature. But other than that, it still looks like an identikit bowl. It's So I'm very torn on this one because... In terms of football grounds, you can't argue. It's similar with the pitches. You cannot argue that modern stadia are not better equipped for what they do. But does that make them better overall, in my opinion? I don't know. I, I prefer mm. older grounds, even though they were, you know, some of them were awful. I still prefer the look of them mm-hmm. because there's something about it that they're unique. So yes. I, I don't know. I'm well. I'm, Maybe we should call that one a draw, given on this very rare occasion we have contrasting views. Yeah, well, I'm I'm happy to go with the draw because I think, again, it's the old comparing two different things. You know, they're the, mm, for two you know, different it's the purposes. The football ground versus the modern stadium. Like, I mean, if you go to the new Wembley, you cannot argue that it's it's a fantastic stadium. The sight lines are great. The, the the comfort factor is there. It's all very modern. The concourse is it's it's amazing. You know, it mm. is brilliant. The old Wembley was an absolute shithole, from what I've heard. <laughs> I, I never went, but from anyone that I, that ever did go, you know, they will tell you it was a crap hole. Um, but at the same time, it had charm. But mm. yeah, no, I'm happy with a draw. I, I can't call it one way or another. All right, there we are. So a draw it is. Mm. So we move on. As part of the ground, to the roof of the ground, not <laughs> roofs, but floodlights. Uh-huh. Uh, so, uh, and I will take this one first. Again, mm-hmm. this is another. You know, clearly the modern floodlights are much better at doing their job of illuminating the pitch because that is what a floodlight is for. Um, the old style floodlights, one in each corner, um, was great if you didn't mind having a, quite a dim light mm-hmm. and four shadows on everybody. <sighs> But again, they had character. They also, you could see where they were. It was nice when you looked across the skyline because you could see where the football stadium was. Um, yes. But in terms <laughs> of practicality, the, there's no doubt the new grounds, uh, the new floodlights are, are far better. I mean, they, they don't take as much maintenance or they're easy to maintain because they're not stuck up giant pylons. Um, <laughs> I'm sure the bulbs in them are, no, uh, are much better. But again, that's technology's progress. So you can't say that that's necessarily makes it better because obviously you know even in the old floodlight design if you had better bulbs that you'd not have to replace them so but in, I don't, again i'm very torn on this one because <laughs> i have a, a obviously the, the modern floodlights are far better at doing their job um and they illuminate the pitch much better they they don't take up tons of space in each corner and you get a much better even lighting 
but <laughs> they 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 lack character. They 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 just they take away something from the ground. They and and I think the biggest lament is the fact that you cannot see a ground from miles away. If you look at the skyline, like the old football grounds with their giant floodlights, you could see them from miles away. Yeah, and I think that's it's quite sad that you don't have that. So again, I'm really torn. I can't <laughs> call it. So I'm going to bow to whatever your opinion is on this one. Well, I'm, I've got a feeling this is going to be another draw because it's that same argument <laughs> about sort of you know apples and onions and <clears throat> and stuff and and um, you know I think that it would be easy for me to say go with the original old-fashioned floodlights because much like many sort of public buildings that you find in the UK from a, a certain era, like let's say the Victorian era even, and the early 19, 1900s and stuff, a lot of public buildings could have been just designed as pretty much boxes, you know, made with bricks, um, just a sort of square-shaped building with a few windows in, etc. But there was a time when actual thought uh, and energy was put into building buildings to have a certain decorative aesthetic that made them interesting to look at and i think partly um obviously there was a need to have floodlit matches and 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 uh to be able to play at night time but i think the building of floodlights as was the case kind of subscribes to that era when you sort of as you say that the floodlight was part of the stadium uh it was it added to the identity of what it looked like um and taking that away almost sort of robs it of that identity but the efficiency with which kind of modern lighting works you can't deny that it does a tremendous job it just doesn't have the same identity and and yeah the changing of bulbs P- pity the poor fellow whoever it was that had to climb up the floodlights to sort of change bulbs and all that malarkey so oh i'm almost tempted to sort of go with the original floodlights just because of what i just said but but do I? Yes, I'm going to. Uh, do you know what I'm going to say? It shades it floodlights, old. Ooh, so we've gone for old then. Well, yeah, yes, just about. Okay. I was going to say a draw, That's... but I, I, do you know what? I think I've convinced myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I did say about you. I still can't mm. call it because of the two sides. So I'm happy to go for that. So we have gone for old, which makes the score six seven. Old Ooh. staging a comeback. Right, <laughs> we move on to supporters. The people who sit in the ground. See the way I've done this. This is brilliant. Brilliant. The way I've ordered this, it's like a not an organic flow. Lovely. <laughs> Get you, you like with your organic jargon. <laughs> with your jargon. My organic flow all over your podcast. Oh. Anyway, moving on. So supporters. <laughs> uh, supporters. Do you want okay. to go first? No, you or got me to go first. You go first. Because I've just been waffling. So okay. For me, old because I can't stand modern supporters. They're all tossers. <laughs> Uh, um, I, I, next, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's done. Um, I yeah, I'd have to go for old because I don't, I don't know. Actually, now I'm thinking about the subtleties of it all. I, mm. I think supporters on the whole nowadays that have a much more unrealistic expectation, and it bugs the hell out of me when you listen to play people on things like six oh six. Their their expectations are. Are ludicrous, and I made this comment about in a, in a post I wrote years ago about the, the sheer hype around the game and the way that people react so overly to things. You know, like kind of any mistake the referee makes is like the worst thing in the world, and mm. it's just—I mean, it, it might well have always been like that, and it's just more publicised. But I can't help feeling that people's expectations of the game is just not not 
based in reality, you know, and, and, and they're, so for me, the older supporters just shade it, but then I suppose you could start talking about, you know, kind of hooligans and, you know, racist chanting and stuff. Not that that's gone away, but it's like, but then I, I, I don't, that's a separate issue. I'm just talking about supporters in general, you know, mm. so I, for me, I, I'm going to have to go for old on this purely because I think people's expectations of the game, and I think the, the amount they take it seriously has, has gone possibly too far. You know, it, 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 I know I'm going to say, that it, I'm not going to say it's just a game. It is, but I get that people get emotionally involved in it, but I think that people get too emotionally involved in it. And I'm not saying that people didn't used to. I think as a whole, people are more um, emotionally involved in it now, it, to, in a bad way. You know, there's nothing wrong with being emotionally involved, but I think there's being emotionally involved in a good way and a bad way. And I think on the whole, fans are more emotionally involved in a bad way, is mm. my words. <laughs> um, I think on that good words they were by the way um, I would say that fans were as emotionally intense back in the old days but unfortunately their outlet was to then run onto the pitch at given you know half a chance and, and the hooligan element I think unfortunately does have to be considered in all this um, I mean I'm it, one thing that pleases me greatly when I watch football coverage from the 70s and 80s particularly 70s, is when you hear crowds breaking into sort of song like singing stuff like, you know, when the saints go marching in and stuff like that. I mean, it's terribly sort of quaint and old fashioned, but just singing, you know, community sort of singing. I know I sound very sort of Jimmy Hill sort of talking about all this stuff. <laughs> um, but, you know, uh, I'm sorry, no, that's, uh, that's Bruce Forsyth. Um, um, uh, yeah, just, just some of those kind of, matches that you see when they would just sort of sing what you might call sort of ordinary songs you sort of think well there's a great atmosphere on the terraces back then it was wonderful it wasn't all about kind of racist chanting but there was a lot of racist chanting and there was a lot of hooligan trouble and I just think that for all the intensity and and the passion that fans have these days to the point where they sound terribly kind of I don't know like they're investing too much of their sort of passion for the game into saying oh yeah we never get decent decisions from the from the ref and all that back then they didn't have that verbal outlet and and so any frustration they had just boiled over into actual sort of physical violence a lot of the time which is a bit of a shame so i'm not sure i mean i'm probably taking a very kind of misguided and simplistic view of these things but i'm inclined to think that probably fans are no better and no worse than they used to be but for you know, sort of for different reasons, really. Um, they had the good points and they, they got the good points and bad points in different ways, comparing the old to the new. So I'm, I'm inclined to say draw on this. Yeah, I, I, I'd go with that because yeah, you, you did make some good points which I hadn't really considered. So yeah, it's again, it's kind of swings and roundabouts, isn't it? There's good mm. and bad and everything. So. I, yeah, too close to call. Yeah, another draw. Bloody hell. <laughs> it's turning to a Man U v Man City, isn't it? <laughs> well, that makes it very interesting then, because this is our last subject now. <gasps> and that means that old can't win. It can only draw. But what I've thought of is what we'll have to do is in the event of an overall draw, we'll have to think of a playoff subject. Although I haven't thought of one, so that could be, <laughs> you know, some serious dead air there. <laughs> um <laughs> So, but we'll see we, how we, this what goes. We could, I tell you what we could do if we contrive a draw, which let's face it is going to happen. Um, 
if if it is a draw, we could put on all of these topics in an online poll, a super poll, and we can invite our listeners to vote. And then from that, we can find out the eventual you know, winner of this whole strangely contrived affair. We could do, although I'm inclined to think that most of our listeners will just oversimplify everything because they're all morons. Now, just well, no, no, no. I was just going to say, given given our football attic kit podcast polls, they'll probably just go for the nostalgia one every time because that's what they do on that. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that out loud. I'm sorry. (laughs) Sorry, we can edit this bit out. They will. They'll never hear our our resentment for them all. (laughs) (laughs) Only joking. I I just, of course, in in case Chris decides to keep that back in. (laughs) Anyway, so yeah, I I don't know. Well, Well, I don't know. We'll have to see. Well, it depends what what the uh, um, the outcome of this is. So the last subject we have is moving again away from the stands of the stadium into the little the little oak encrusted room. Encrusted? Can you encrust things in oak? No, you can't. Oak panelled room with a cigar smoke thick in the air uh, to where the club owners reside, or at least would have done in the 70s. Now they probably reside in, in Belize or something. So the last subject we have is club owners. Bloody Belize. oh dear club owners um right okay well the feeling i get is that back in the day um that a lot of football club owners were local they were local businessmen sometimes sort of conglomerates getting together and obviously that's a very kind of wonderful thing if you think about it you know that it's local people with money that they're prepared to invest in a club locally to make them as good as possible and um and to give the local community something to to get behind and to be sort of you know great supporters of um then again there was no rule in the in the book that ever says that a club owner has to be local and so here we are we find ourselves in the modern era when club owners are broadly speaking international um Lots of Chinese investors now are getting into the game, which is something you know. Who'd have thought we'd ever get to this point? Um, to say nothing of investors from and club owners from the US and heaven knows where, Russia, you name it. Um, maybe this leads us back to a previous discussion about too much money in the game because it's just opened up now to the point where um, so many clubs are in need of. Desperately, desperate in, I can't even say it, desperately in need of financial investment in order to, you know, um, supposedly make the club better and to have better players and so on that, um, we now have people investing from, uh, people taking over clubs who, uh, reside in other parts of the world. Um, does the fact that they have more money make them better? I don't know. I, I, I suppose I, personally feel like i favor the original ideal of it being local people um you know um putting whatever resources they have into making their local club as good as it can be Uh, i think i'm going to go for old on this um okay well i i just like the fact that every time you said local people all i could hear was uh edward and tubbs yeah i was trying not to kind of go down that road so a local shop for local people will have no trouble here <laughs> that was the dialogue going on in my head i can assure yeah. you <laughs> we didn't <laughs> burn him anyway um 
I am inclined to agree. Uh, I I liked. I there's a certain not just for nostalgia's sake because obviously there's a great sense of nostalgia from you know your local uh, you know your local uh, person made good then pumps money back into the club you know hmm. driving around in his Rolls Royce you know in the local <laughs> area. But I I think the reason I would go for that is because it, the the reasons for doing it were better in my opinion. You know. They yeah. were doing it because they wanted to put back into their club. And okay, some people might have done it because they wanted to own the club, but it wasn't really about money. Because even back then, you didn't really make much money out of a football club, you know? <laughs> <clears throat> and that's the big difference is that foreign investors don't invest in a football club because they give a toss about Man United. They give a toss about money and the revenue they can generate. They, they wouldn't care. I mean, well, a perfect example is, of course, Hull. Where mm. Mr. Alam is trying to change the name of it because it's, you know, the, for whatever re- insane reasons he wants. He just proves he doesn't care the fact that it's Hull itself. He's just like, you know, I want to invest in a football club. And actually, um, mind you, I think he is, is he from the area? I don't know. But I anyway, don't know. I know that most people in uh, the uh, Hull fans are not a great fan of the guy. <laughs> and I'm well aware of that. <laughs> um, and I just like the fact that you would have local investors because it meant that they were doing it because they wanted the club to do well, not because they wanted to generate tons of money. Because if they wanted to generate tons of money, they could have gone to any club, which is exactly what foreign investors do. You know, why does someone go and invest tons of money in Man City? Is it because they, they have a real hankering for, you know, that old club from Moss Side or whatever? Or is it because they think, oh, actually, you know what? I can make tons of money out of this. I can, no. you know, we can build up a global brand and things like this. And it's like, so the, the reasons for doing it is why I would have to go for old as well. I mean, it didn't always work. And okay, there might have been slightly more innocent times. And obviously some owners were not particularly great and would burn down stands for insurance purposes. Mm. But that was, you know, not the general gist of things so for me it's it's old um definitely it's uh, which means you're sorry go on, go on sorry I, I was just going to say what you said earlier on about um you know the local businessmen would sort of put money into the club to make it um as good as it could be it was also investing in in a local club to make the town as good as it could be because you know local workers um, would invariably support the local team. So if the if the team was doing well, then the the whole town in 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 back in the day would be just really kind of you know positive and and really buoyant. So it kind of affected the whole town and the community as well. So that's part of the reason why they would get behind their original team, which is not something that um, you know Cardiff City uh, uh, supporters would probably be able to sort of. Yeah, talk about in terms of their own experiences, sadly. And but there we go. We can't always have decent club owners. No, tell me about it. <laughs> uh, yes, <coughs> see you out. Um, <laughs> so what that means is that we have, in effect, in ended up contriving a bloody draw. You know, I'm sure a lot of people out there will be looking at this and going, "Yeah, you've clearly planned this." But I can, I, like Chris said earlier, I, I can absolutely assure you we have not. We literally just ordered these in some kind of semblance of order to try and get a flow. And it literally has turned out we've got 7-7. Seven, seven. So we've got to have penalties, Chris. <laughs> we have. So I, I proposed a playoff subject of sponsors. Now, oh. that could be shirt sponsors or, you know, Raynham Steel style stuff around grounds. But we don't have to go with sponsors. I'm, I was just trying. It just suddenly occurred to me. So no, I what think do you so. want to do for penalties? 
Well, no, I think sponsorship generally, um, whether it be pitch side advertising boards or football shirt sponsors, um, because it's this is a hotbed of discussion. We've had this before on the old Football Attic blog site. So I think the uh, influence of, of the effect that these companies have had on the game back in the day and in the modern era, I think that's what we should use as our as our playoff subject. Or shootout Yes, go on then. <laughs> oh no, I've got to go first. Ah <laughs> um, oh, man, this again comes down to a lot of nostalgia because obviously, oh man, this is really difficult. I realised as soon as I suggested this that actually I didn't have a strong opinion either way, and then thought, oh god, we're going to end up with a play a penalty is like drawing on penalties and then sudden death. Right. Um, it's hard to say because. There's good and bad. I, I I have a massive sense of nostalgia for you know smaller um, companies like, for instance, my my old favourite Granada Bingo sponsoring <laughs> Coventry. You know, it's just it's so quaint, um, yeah. but that still exists. You know, you still have a lot of um, teams that are sponsored by um, um, Fred's like pies. smaller local companies. Yeah, quite. Yeah, but you do. You have a lot of that. Um, Herod so addiction services. <clears throat> yeah, <laughs> I wasn't going to mention that. Shut <laughs> <try> up. <laughs> Um, uh, so it's, it is really difficult. Um, I, however, we're not just talking shirt sponsors. We're also talking everything else. Mm. And I would say the one thing that I would be tempted to go with old for, and not just because this is a nostalgia podcast, is the official X supplier of the X World Cup. Mm-hmm. Not, and I'm not talking about X, you know, X yeah. partners here. I'm just, um, so, uh, like, you know, Dairy Lee is the official soft cheese supplier to the World Cup. And, you know, um, Cuprinol is the official, <laughs> does what it stain. says on the tin supplier to Euro 2020. It's just like, it just pisses me off that does that. Yeah. Like the fact that you can have an official, you know, kind of, an, well, like an official hemorrhoid cream supplier <laughs> to the, 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 the Qatar yeah. World Cup or something. So I just think, it's, to me, that is just sponsorship. That's got that's just bullshit. It's yeah. just like you know, it's, I can get it if you've got an official beer, but the, it literally goes down to like the official toothpaste. And I think I actually think I'm sure someone once suggested because the company I work for makes taps and showers, number one supplier in the company in the country. Sorry, um, and I'm sure at, so, at some point there was actually talk about looking to whether we could actually apply. I think it was when the Olympics were on to mm-hmm. become the official like tap. Manufacturer of the Olympics. I mean, it's fucking ludicrous. A tap. It's got nothing to do with the Olympics. Fair enough if you're supplying them to the actual, you know, the Olympic village and fitting them out. That's one thing. But we're not talking about that. We are, and it's not like, you know, like utterly butterly could be the the, the official non-butter spread um, sort of official sponsor of the, you know, the 2016 Euro Championship or something. But it doesn't mean that they're going to supply utterly butterly to anyone. It just means that they've got their name there mm. as an official butter butter sponsor. I mean, it's ludicrous. <laughs> so I, I, just that side of things alone, the rampant commercialism and, and just the sheer men, the, the insanity of having something like a butter supplier, an <laughs> official butter partner. And that's what I think they're called, you know, like an official, you know, um, vaginal douching partner of the... <laughs> Actually, no, I won't say of the Women's World Cup. That sounds really horrible. But it's like, I've, I don't know. It's because I've, I've done all the other talks. Of the, the, 
of the uh, uh, another tournament. I can't think of any tournaments because I've 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 overstretched myself with vaginal douching. <laughs> oh dear! I just it was just a joy watching you dig and dig and dig. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. dear! Um, I, <laughs> see, I, I'm struggling to focus now. Um, <laughs> what I what I would say in terms of the pitch side advertising boards is. Um, it's just it just seems like eighty to eighty five percent of all of them are betting companies, and I just think, all right, I know that's well, that's kind of the the world we live in and all that, but I mean, I've I've no real liking for Joey Barton. Um, yes, you can anybody s- has. No, well, I was just going to say, not that that's a ludicrous statement, but I've nothing. I've no real particular liking for the guy. But when he recently got sort of done for betting. There was one thing that he said, which I had to say he was absolutely right about, which is that football has to take a look at itself. And yeah. it, it just climbs into bed with all these betting companies. And, you know, way back, you used to have a, a far, far wider variety of companies that used to be seen advertising by the pitch. You know, everything from breweries to sort of supermarkets, magazines and shops. And, and just it was just a lot more sort of varied, at least a bit more visually um, interesting for people to look at and and the whole betting thing is just terrible i think um so there's that um you make an absolutely rock solid case for the fact that you know you've got all these individual partners for tournaments and things which is just hideous um i could go on i mean we've not sort of done dealt too much with the with the shirt sponsors but um um I don't really see any any problem with having sort of what you might call big companies sponsoring your shirt like Sony as opposed to small companies like, you know, Jim's Pies or whatever it was I said earlier on. Um, there's enough room for both of those. So therefore, out of the sort of three main points there, I'd, I, I think the, 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 the arguments you made <coughs> or the, the arguments we've made is that two out of those three points lend themselves towards the old ways being the best. So I think... Old may have won this on penalties. Yeah, I, I would agree because the reason I didn't touch much on shirt sponsors because other than like you said the sort of betting angle, I I don't think much has really changed um, because you've still got like I say you've still got local teams. Okay, they you know local companies they might not sponsor bigger up the you know, higher up teams, but you've always had massive companies. You always yeah. had Sharp. And JVC, so you've you know yeah. your classic sponsors were big companies anyway. Um, so I didn't touch much on that because I think that's not changed much, and it's it's kind of I'd say that apart from the betting aspect, it's still fine. You know, you've still mm. got your your decent mix. But like you said, on the other two points, I think old takes it. So you're right, old has won Hooray! on penalties. We weren't going to let nostalgia miss out on a nostalgia <laughs> podcast. This literally, were we? it couldn't. This couldn't be a more contrived result. <laughs> So anyone watching from the outside, we couldn't have actually done this more possibly contrived. Oh, a last minute surge from old, and then it goes to penalties, and old wins it on penalties. It's like, well, we really haven't. This is just the way it's worked out. We've been making it up as we go along, and we did not know yeah. more than like you know three seconds ahead of whatever we were saying as to how this was all going to pan out. Um, I think the results may have been rigged by the Russians. We're still trying to work that one out. Um, but, um, and this isn't fake news either. Um, but no, um, and, but I think the thing is though that obviously old is going to be over the moon and at the end of the day Brian football was the winner. <laughs> I've fallen off my chair, Brian. Uh, 
There we go. I think, hopefully, I mean, I, I'm not even sure if this is going to be a two-part podcast, because this is about two and a half hours. I, did wonder, I was going to say, I did wonder that myself, yeah. It's I possible. That would be good, actually. Well, I think, yes. God, it is um, as well. Jesus, two and a half hours, I didn't realise that. I did send the kids a text a minute ago saying, sorry, this is taking so long, because I'm hogging the living room. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> They've not been allowed in all morning, because I, I, I didn't think it was going to go on this long, so sorry. I didn't either, but it's it's been wonderful just kind of um, you know going down memory lane again and and actually genuinely giving it as balanced a view as we can on on you know the pros and cons of it all. But there we are, just about by a by a nose, as they say, it's nostalgia that wins out. And um, well, we'd invite you to uh, give us your views. You can do so just by going to the footballattic.com uh, website and finding the uh, blog post that accompanies this one and um, just leave us a comment there or find us on our Facebook page. You should know all the details by now. I'm not going to boy. We've been going on long enough, um, yeah. but you know where to find us. Uh, but we do look forward to hearing what your views are on any of the subjects we've covered. So drop us a line. We'd like to hear from you. Uh, we were going to give you an update, actually, on um, the previous um, Footwetic Kit podcast in terms of things like the kit off phone stuff. But I tell you what, I think we'll leave that till the next podcast. And... Again, if you follow us on Facebook and Twitter, we'll try and update you on there anyway. So um, there you go. Anyway, Rich, anything to add? Any regrets you've had about any of your decisions? Do we need to go through point by point? In life, are we talking about? <laughs> yeah, many, many, many life decision regrets. Yeah, tons of them. Uh, but as for this podcast, no, I, I'm very happy uh, with the with the results that we've come up with. I'm, yeah, I'm very pleased. Absolutely. And, uh, well, <laughs> yes, uh, everyone's a winner. Uh, <laughs> As uh, Hot Chocolate once said. Didn't win. <laughs> yeah. Started with a kiss. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily it didn't in our case. Um, so, um, needless, I mean, if, if any of you have got any, um, and I can't stress this word enough, original ideas for future Football Attic podcasts, we'd love to do another Football Attic podcast, but we think we've exhausted all the subjects, but... Um, thank you for all of you that have been giving us suggestions recently, but we, you know, we've kind of already done a lot of them, like Subutio and Shoot Magazine and stuff like that. And it's difficult to find a new angle on them. But if you think you've got an, an original idea that we may not have considered before, get in touch with us. It'll give us an excuse to do another random uh, football attic podcast in the future. As it is, this is episode thirty-one at an end. Thank you, Rich, for your company as ever, and uh, listeners, thank you for yours too. We'll be back with you again with another Football Attic Kit podcast very soon. Until then, from myself, Chris Oakley, and from Rich Johnson, it's goodbye to you all. And it's goodbye from him. Goodbye.